0: Hello and welcome to the From Montana to Portugal podcast. My name is Janelle Holden. I am your host for this podcast and the author of From Montana to Portugal on Substack. And today I am so excited. Um, I get to interview a subscriber and I have a friend. His name is Frank Moore and he is just returned from a trip to Portugal. no. So I asked him to come on the podcast to answer a few questions about his trip and his reflections. Plus, he's got a lot of ties to Portugal. So thanks so much for being here, Frank.
1: Sure. Thank you for having me.
0: Yeah. So tell me a little bit, first of all, about your ties to Portugal. Um, I think they run fairly deep.
1: Yeah. I Well, I, I, I had none growing up. Um, you know, all I remember about Portugal is... In you know, in, in, as a child in in class about the age of discovery, and thinking that Vasco da Gama was a very strange name, <laughs> you know. But so I didn't really have much of a connection um, with uh, with Portugal until I uh, met my wife. Actually, and so um, my wife's uh, parents, uh, her her mother and her, her biological father, are from Macau. Uh, which is uh, a little uh, islet uh, close to Hong Kong, Um, Mm -hmm. but it's connected to the mainland. And it was administered by the Portuguese for, you know, over 400 years, uh, primarily because they kept the pirates at bay and the (laughs) Chinese uh, like that. So they said, hey, you know, you're welcome to stay here. Yeah. So, um, so I'd never, you know, I didn't know anything about Macau, uh, yeah. until I met, uh, her, her and her, her parents. And then, but when I really met my wife, Trisha, um, her stepfather had already come in the picture, uh, and his name was, uh, Jose da Silva and he was actually born in Lisbon. Okay. And so, um, he was really influential, uh, me he was kind of like the father i never really had and uh so he you know he explained everything there was to know about portugal uh, particularly coming from i mean he was educated in in lisbon but he served in the military in macau uh and did so to try to get away from salazar the the dictator at the time so uh but years later he after he came to the the states he uh he he knew trish's mom um who had been divorced for some time and long story short they they got married and um so <clears throat> he went by tax and the reason he went by tax is that uh the chinese he was he was big for a portuguese man and they uh thought of him as uh a texan oh. because of his size um <laughs> So that's yeah. so they start calling Jose Tax and it stuck. So I've always known him as Tax and uh he 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 reminds he reminded me so much of the uh character uh Santiago in the movie adaptation of Old Man in the Sea. Oh, yeah, uh, the Hemingway uh book. And uh Anthony Quinn played uh Santiago and Anthony Quinn is Greek and the Greeks yeah. and the Portuguese remind me of, of similar traits, yeah.
0: Yeah.
1: And so um I really thought this guy was cool and he, he is a very kind man. Um so he and I went uh his I mean we'd gone with Trisha and his, her mom and Tax and my son. Uh but then one time <laughs> he wanted to go just on his own with me and so he showed me all his haunts in Lisbon. Wow, uh, growing up. Um and uh So I got the, you know, kind of got an insider's uh, view of, of Lisbon and his family lived in Seychelles, which is across the the river Mm -hmm. Tagus. And, um, uh, so we stayed there and we'd take the hydrofoil in and, um, the other weird connection I have is, uh, I have this old college friend that was briefly a, a roommate of mine at UC Irvine and, um. His name is David Spriggs, and he um, and I, you know, we both moved to the Bay Area. But uh, he was raising his kids, I was raising my kids, and we just lost touch for many, many years. Um, and then, about I don't know, ten to fifteen years ago, um, somehow we got connected again. And I, f- I knew he was in the port back in college, but <laughs> that grew into a passion. Yeah, that he uh, really kind of capitalized on. And he is a kind of a, um, a member of this group called For the Love of Port, hmm. which takes uh, groups from all over the world on these kind of bespoke wine tours of Portugal. Wow. So I went on, Trish and I went on one. Trish won't go anymore because it's literally too much wine. I mean, <laughs> you're, you're, you're drinking at 11 in the morning and you're drinking Whoa. port. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, I, I understand the, the, it's, it's, it's not for the the week of constitution, that's for sure. Yes. So, um, but he, you know, he'd been going to Portugal for, you know, about as long as I have, if not longer. And so, um, so we connected and, and we started going to concerts again because that was how I really knew from college. And, and, uh, we have this passion for Portugal together. So, Um, you know, I, he was on this trip for a portion of it anyway, that I just came back from. So, yeah, um, it's just an odd thing that on a dual track, he, he was, uh, smitten with Portugal as, as much as I was.
0: Yeah. Brief roommates. Yes. And then here on parallel tracks, you both fell in love with this country for different reasons, you know, exactly. Him for the wine, you for the love of family and roots and...
1: Exactly. Yeah, yeah no, it's just, it's a very, it's a very strange uh, uh, coincidence, but, mm-hmm. um, you know, I, it's been very cool to have somebody stateside that, uh, that I know uh, that likes the place as much as I do. Yeah. We, You know, we, we, we went to a lot of really crazily good restaurants um, Yeah, and, and he does that for the... I mean, for the love of port, when they take you to these port houses or, or wineries, you know, you're t- they're taking you to to lunch and a dinner with usually a winemaker. And they're usually, you know, getting pretty killer restaurants. So um, that's just kind of part and parcel of what he's learned through that experience and so we, uh, we really did it up on this on this last trip.
0: Yeah, and I can't wait to dive into that. And by the way, listeners, I'm going to ask David to come on the podcast as well. When he gets back from Europe, he's currently over there, I think, still.
1: He, so. he, he went off to Croatia uh, after leaving us in Lisbon, and he's still over there. He goes back to Lisbon and then goes to the Azores for part of the wine trip with the love of port. And then to Madeira. And then he comes back to Lisbon and then goes home. So he still has a good, I think, month ahead of him of, oh,
0: of so jealous exercising his liver. Yeah. So <laughs> before we go into the full details of all the trip, how do you exercise one's liver and, and get up the next day? So as I get older, the more I realize I, I can't do as much alcohol as I did when I was young
1: i I just you know i mean i I have to even say myself i can't i really can't do it. in fact, um I only did one of the port trips, yeah, because that's you know it's fortified wine and and you know yeah. you start you have a breakfast then they take you to a a a porthouse or a winery that you get a tour you get you know someone that usually the owner or the vintner or you know someone of 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 substance in the industry, but then you have a tasting and and it's minimum eight and the fours are, you know, they're not just timing fours. They're, you know, they're a third of a glass maybe. Wow. Um, So you eat or nine of those and then you go to lunch and then at lunch, there's another winemaker and he wants to show you his wines. Now there's still wines, but it's still wine. (laughs) You know, yep. and so you have lunch and then and then you're off to a, your your afternoon tasting. And then there's more fortified wine. And then you go to dinner and there's another winemaker.
0: When and is so, the nap?
1: Yeah, exactly. I mean, so <laughs> I mean, I, you know, the, so I, I said, look, I, I I can't, I just can't do that, you know. Yeah,
0: yeah.
1: So I've gone on the still wine tours. Uh, they have one that's called Five Regions or Three Regions, depending on what they do. Um, which are just still wines and Mm. that is a little bit more manageable, but nevertheless, I mean, it's, it's a lot of drinking and, you know, after a week of that, you're, you're pretty tapped out.
0: Oh yeah, definitely tapped
1: out. Um, So it's just, yeah, I mean, it's, like I said, it's, it's really for, I mean, fanatics
0: no so I, right I and i i don't know i think I've had port maybe twice i' it's just, just to be honest and but I'm really interested in it, and the green wines, so have you tried the green wines
1: yes, yeah, so the last trip which was uh last year when I ended up buying the place that we'll talk about mm-hmm. um I went to the algarve and and did the deal or or looked at properties and and, and found a place and then we went on a I guess that was a three regions tour, but the Mino is what you're talking about. The yeah. area of the green wine. And uh, so we did an extensive, like three days, I think in that region. And, you know, <clears throat> people in the States, they, they don't get, you know, they usually get the causal gas or the avaleta, the the kind of brand X green wine. It's just it's fine. It's just that, it it really doesn't represent the the full thing that they're doing there and they're yeah. they're they are really doing an amazing uh amount of 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 green wines that are um so the the big producers actually I, I've heard anyway I'm not sure how true this is but they actually inject something in it to make it frizzante okay but the the real pristine guys, um, Mm -hmm. they say that is really cheating and you're supposed to make it in a certain way where it has a frisante aspect to it. Um, And so there's a bunch of new producers um, and they're doing really amazing things with, um, with a lot of different grapes. Um, uh, You know, Portugal is blessed, and I don't know how this happened. I've never actually gotten a, a, a real answer to this, but they have something like over 250 indigenous varietals of grape. Wow! Yeah, I mean, which is just mind-boggling. If you think about, yeah. you know, why does this one little sliver of Europe have so many uh, different varietals that that is not anywhere else to be found mm. in the world? Mm-hmm. And um, you know who knows, <laughs> but <laughs> uh, they, they uh, the, the, the young, the younger folks that are fitners and, and winemakers, uh, they're discovering some of these that have kind of gone by the wayside. Um, there's a guy that 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 kind of mapped out what were the best grapes for port, mm-hmm. uh, and 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 what came to kind of the forefront was Torega National um as and that grape is now kind of predominated as the red grape for mm-hmm. um but you know there's so many different grapes and um you know there's a lot of young uh producers that are uh or people like when I say young producers they're they're just you know they're either the next generation or mm-hmm. the next generation who took over the wineries or hiring these young winemakers who uh, are uh, diving deep into the history of of the grapes that are there and bringing some of them back. And so you've got, you know, the the kind of taste profile is so broad of uh, Portuguese wines. It used to be white Portuguese wine was just kind of an afterthought. Yeah. Um, But now – You know, I I have to say, after this trip to Minho and and being introduced to all these uh, white uh, wines, I was like, wow, you know, this is really good stuff. And I've been predominantly a a red wine drinker, but um, you can get a lot of different uh, taste profiles with Portuguese white wines, too, and really high quality for pretty reasonable prices.
0: Oh, so. and definitely—that's what I've heard a lot of—is the pretty reasonable prices part of the wine situation industry there. Yeah. yeah,
1: and the thing is, what's what's what which is really a testament to uh, how great Portuguese wine is is that there's very little of it for export. Yeah, because they consume it; they they consume something like ninety percent of the production as a country. Yeah, I've so, never
0: thought about that
1: yeah you, you don't see a lot of i mean yeah. some of the big producers you know, it gets over here and, if so, if, and it's just so hard to make you know we've known people who wanted to be distributors uh here in the states and who've not been successful particularly in california because california's got its own you know wine thing mm-hmm. and then most wine people are kind of snobbish. Yeah. Uh, if they're going to get a European wine, they're going to get French wine or Italian wine. And it's like, oh, it's this Portuguese stuff, you know. Yeah. And, and the, because of the price point, too, everyone thinks that's just cheap wine. But uh, so it, it's it's really unfortunate in some ways. But, you know, to their credit, <laughs> they don't need the export market. No.
0: So, they, have, they have enough people ready and willing to drink it there i right mean there. i was
1: I, I the last on the on the on the list there's three uh regions who are the last producer we had the last dinner with a producer and he brought all these wines and, and they they were like so cheap it was almost criminal you know yeah. and i and i'm like well where can we get you wines and he's like you can't yeah. <laughs> i'm like really and he's like oh yeah i'm, I'm I'm sold out to all my customers here. I I I can't keep it to to export. So wow. I'm like, "Wow, really?" you know? And so they know a good thing.
0: They know a good thing. So did you bring any back with you? Are you allowed?
1: I yeah, you can do that. I've done it in the past, mm-hmm. uh but since I bought this place, I I bought a wine refrigerator f- for my place and part of this last trip was uh, I had to rescue my wine from uh, uh, a uh, Mario Ferreira from uh, the Love of Port, who lives in in Portugal. He's the he's the one Portuguese guy that puts really all the stuff together because he's he's Portuguese, you know, yeah. and he knows all the people and he knows the language. Um, and he was graceful enough last summer. Said, "Hey, well, I'm buying this place and I need some wine here. Can you?" You know, and he's like, yeah, I'll stash it for you. So part of the trip, we, we flew into um, Lisbon, my son and I, uh, met Dave, got a car. Uh, my son was the chauffeur while he was with us. Went to Porto um, and did three days in Porto and did some incredible uh, restaurants. Uh, uh, very gourmet. Um and then, when we were going to Sagres uh, on the way back, or, you know, to go down on the next leg of the trip, uh, we had to go to this little community called Cherkel, hmm. um where he lived. And he was on a tour with For the Love of Port. So he wasn't there, but he gave Dave the key. And wow. it was all my wine. So we had no. No room to spare. We were putting bottles in the car in, you know, odd places just to get it all to Cyrus, but we did.
0: Okay. Here's the Hunter S. Thompson moment that we have here. Yeah.
1: I wasn't drinking on the way, so no, no bats on the road.
0: Did you, did you have any issue? Were you thinking, what if we get pulled over? Am I going to? Oh, they would
1: just, they would, I mean, as long as I'm sure, it was long as it wasn't open, but, yeah. you know, um, we like pff, you're you're gonna have a good time, you know. You're gonna have a
0: good time, yeah.
1: But uh, yeah, no, everyone. I don't, you know, I, I, everyone it seems in Portugal knows yeah. that they've got great wine. Oh, and they and they are always kind of struck when a non Portuguese person knows that's in the know about how good their wine is. So they take some pride into it. Mm, Yeah. yeah. And so, you know,
0: you went to Lisbon and then up to Porto and then South. Yeah. So then
1: Terkel is, is a little like maybe an hour or hour and a half North of, of Lisbon. So we stopped Mm -hmm. there, had a fantastic lunch in a restaurant that uh, uh, Mario uh, had, had recommended to us. And then, we, we, we got down to Sagres, and, and we, we got there about six, and we left at nine. So it's a, you know, the Mino is above Porto. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you get to the Spanish border, which is Galicia. Mm-hmm. Um, there's probably, I don't know, I'm just guessing from Porto to the, the borders, maybe a couple hour drive. Mm-hmm. So when you're going from Porto to Sagres, which is the very southern tip, Um, you know, you're, you're doing, I mean, it's a, it's a good six hour drive, you know? And, but it's, you know, that's, that's less than the San Francisco to LA, you know? Yes. So it's a very manageable place to get around. Yeah. Um, you know, and the, the, (laughs) the first time I ever went to Portugal was with my wife. Uh, I don't think we were married yet. I was still in law school and um, we drove from Lisbon to the Algarve. And I remember this very distinctly that we were on a one, you know, a two lane highway, but just one way each way. Um, And we got behind a donkey cart. I mean, literally, I mean, and and like, and we couldn't, we, there was too much traffic coming the other way. So we just had to like, poke along for a good you know 20 to 30 minutes behind this donkey car and so that's changed dramatically since uh since i first went i mean they've got really substantial f- highways and freeways and most of it's toll roads if you if you want to avoid the tolls it's going to add time to you but everyone does the the toll and um mm. and it's uh they they put a lot of money into the roads and it's it's very manageable now. And what's the what the best thing about it is, from Sagres, once you get on the main highway in the Algarve to Lisbon, there's at least eight of these rest areas with gas stations and restaurants that you just drive off, you do your thing and you drive back on and they're on both sides of the freeway at the same spot. And it is so convenient. Mm -hmm. And they're most of these places are 24 hours. So you can just, I mean, you know, in the States you have to, I mean, sometimes they're right off the freeway, but not often you have to go searching, you know? Yeah. And these just, just is so easy um, to, to fill up and, gets, you know, it's, they got like a mini mart type thing and in restrooms. And so yeah. it's a very, uh, very civilized way of, of road tripping if that's what you you know, want to do.
0: And, and I know there's going to be some listener, and I even asked this question at one point myself. So if you're a listener asking this question, it's okay. No stupid questions. But they drive on the right side of the road, correct? Me too.
1: On the, <laughs> on the correct side of the road. Yeah, on
0: the correct side
1: not, of the road. <laughs> Not notwithstanding all the Brits uh, that are uh, – <laughs> All over Portugal, uh, yeah. No, that the only yeah. the only places that that um, drive on the other side of the road it is either you know England uh, or the Great Britain uh, or any of their colonies. Okay. Um, yeah, I mean, even in Ireland, I, boy, I, I popped the tire because I just couldn't get used to driving. I was always too close to the curb because I was just so freaked out being on the other side of the of the yeah. car out the side of the street that I kept bashing the curb. <laughs> so, but yeah, it's all all the rest of of Europe is uh is American style driving.
0: Did was your son driving a manual, a stick shift or um... you No, know,
1: that's kind of gone away but for a long time. Uh Europe, you know, was predominantly stick shift, which I ended up really enjoying because I mm-hmm. feel you have a lot more control over the car. Yeah. It's a little tiresome though. Uh, but you know, I kind of dug it, but now everything, almost everything's automatic.
0: Yeah. You
1: know, I mean, I think yeah. you have to ask for it if you're going to, they may not even have it anymore.
0: Right. right. So,
1: um, the only thing that I saw that was n- not as developed and I'm looking into it cause I, I really, my wife doesn't think of, I should be doing this, but I want to buy a, a a VW electric van, the new, the new ones that are coming and have it there. Yes. So that I can road trip all over the place, you know? Yes. But so that, so I'm looking into the infrastructure on the, uh, on charging. Yeah. And it's coming along, you know, and it's mostly the, the, the car manufacturers are banding together to, to make it happen. Mm. Uh, But I, you know, I looked at the map of Portugal of where the charges are and they're not as plentiful as we have it here in California. That's for sure.
0: Yeah. California is quite lucky to have a good infrastructure there. Montana has yet to really get with the program. There's a lot of country that you'd have to go through to.
1: Yeah. I, you know, a couple of years ago I did a, just for a te- i bought a Tesla and I, mm-hmm. I, uh, I wanted to test it out as a road trip vehicle. Yeah. So I took a friend of mine, and I left from Healdsburg, where I where I'm at currently, and we drove to Oregon. Uh, we went first, went to the coast, and then we went through Willamette Valley, went to some wineries, and then to Portland, and and then to this weird location up in eastern uh, uh, or eastern northeastern Oregon called Joseph. Joseph.
0: I just, I, I have a, my best friend is from Joseph.
1: No way. <laughs> yeah. You just said Joseph?
0: Yeah. I said Joseph before you said Joseph. You did. And
1: yeah. I was, I'm dumbstruck because I, I was like, and the only reason I even know about this place is that I read, I want to say it was in either the Atlantic or Esquire or something, something like this. Someone mm-hmm. did a really nice yeah. presentation of what, you know, what that's all about. Yeah. Josephism. Very strange place. Very strange.
0: Been like, there with myself. Very strange. And yes. it's
1: very arty and trippy yep. and good food. And but yep. you're really literally out in the middle of nowhere.
0: Totally in the middle of nowhere. And there's no good places to get to.
1: No. And yeah. so I, I started I booked this place and this was the weirdest. So we stayed at this hotel, so to speak. That looked to me like it was an old saloon. It was just this big Mm -hmm. building and it was a self check in hotel. So they had no staff. What? Yeah, you just, you make the reservation, you get a combination, you open your, your, the door of your room and that's it. And it was just, and it was cool, you know? Yeah. They had a, they had a really cool pizza place underneath it and, It was really bizarre, but, but i made the reservation and I'm like, the last superchargers in Pendleton. Yeah. And I don't see one. So I call or I emailed to the, I said, Hey, I think I'm gonna have to cancel this because she goes, Oh, well, there's a bed and breakfast right across the street. And he just put in a, a Tesla charger. You should, you should contact him. I'm sure he'll let you use it. So I did. And he goes, yeah, yeah, come over. As long as there's not, you know, a guest using it, you're you're free to use it. So we go over there, and the guy was from the Bay Area, and Ugh. and he was a deadhead, yeah. And he wanted to talk, you know, Jerry and the Merry yeah. Pranksters and the whole thing, and it was just so hilarious because, um, you know, here's this guy in the middle of nowhere, at a bed, <laughs> of, running a bed and breakfast, <laughs> and he, he's he wants to, you know, recount the old days. But uh, so anyway, um, it was. That with that I kept everything, and it, it it was grueling getting back because we had to go through what is basically a desert in the middle oh, of yeah morning. yeah and we get to Bend and and Bend was cool, um, but then we just powered through so it was like a I don't know something like a sixteen hour drive all wow. at once wow yeah. but we did it and I and I wanted to make I wanted to see if we could do it. Yeah. So I and I looked at the Portuguese map, and you you know because the distances aren't that great, Mm -hmm. you could do it. You know you Mm -hmm. could get from Sagres to the one place that you charge, and then get to Lisbon, you'd be fine. Okay. So So
0: I want to. I'm definitely. I'm hoping that one day I'm in Portugal and you drive up in your electric VW van yeah. with some deadhead stickers on there. Exactly. Of I course. I want to see that. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and by the way, listeners, she hasn't said yes, yes yet, but my best friend from college is from Joseph, Oregon, and she now lives in New Zealand with her husband. And I want, I'm going to have her on to talk. And she's an artist. <laughs> surprise, surprise. She's an yeah, artist of course. Culture. So I'm going to have her on to talk about her expat experience in New Zealand. They've been there for the last year, I think. So, uh, that's a hilarious connection. We did not plan that in advance.
1: That's amazing because um, no one knows where Joseph is.
0: Oh yeah, I went. Th- I went there just Doug and I went there to see the place because we were actually looking at kind of cool places in the West to live, and we said this is cool, but it might be too cool for us. So we yeah, ready. <laughs> but it yeah. Was, I mean,
1: it was you're it's going to be a small town environment, that's for sure. Yes. Because there's nothing yeah. else out there. Yeah. You know?
0: So I want to circle back to wines and to why there might be 250 varieties, and what I've heard about Portugal is that there is such a, a difference in the variety of landscapes. So there's there's the ocean, there's the mountains, there's kind of what one would consider the desert slash plains. Um, what, in comparison to such you know a big place as California where you're from where you can get all of those things, but you're driving – much further to get to them. Does it feel like, you know, you shrunk down? Uh, yeah.
1: Yeah, very, very much so. I mean, so the north, um, the Minho and Porto that that area is uh, very lush, um, and it's got more rainfall, obviously, and um, and and then if you go further up through. Galicia, it's even more stunning, uh, huge, gigantic mountains and, um, a lot of greenery. Um, as you get south of, of Lisbon, you know, you've got the coast, which is just an amazing, I mean, you've got the entire Atlantic coast, you know, and a lot of it just pristine. I mean, there's maybe tiny little villages, but nothing really built, um, then you have the interior and the Alentejo is very much like, I won't say it's like central California because central California has a particular, um, I don't know. It's a, it's a little, the, 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 the Alentejo is more like San Luis Obispo
0: mm-hmm.
1: cause it's closer to the ocean. Sure. So even though it's hot and, and it can be dry, um, there is um, that ocean effect on the area, and it's 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 you know I mean it's the it's Tuscany uh, for for Portugal basically. Oh, beautiful! Um, just it's just fantastically beautiful, and probably some of the best food. Um, I mean, the Algarve has got great seafood, but if you want to have like, like there's this restaurant in in Sagres that specializes in, you know, Portuguese traditional cuisine. And a lot of it is like, I have rabbit, which I have anytime I see it on the, on the menu and they did it what they call hunter style, which is Mm. very Alentejo um, type of recipe and, you know, so they're, you're going to have a lot heartier food, um, and more meats. Um, but you know, like the Portuguese, are the only people I know that put pork in a clam dish, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's just like who does that, you know? Yeah. Yeah. But and it's so perfect, you know? I mean, it just works, uh, and so, um, you know, it, so yeah, it's, it's, I get a real significant feel from the topography that it's like california uh yeah. in the in the kind of the interior but still closer to the coast feel mm-hmm. now the closer you get to to spain you know the, the the hotter and the drier it gets um but um but even that i mean i've only been i've been to a um winemaker out in or a vintner out in uh the furthest reaches of the Duro, uh, close to the Spanish border, and and it's still pretty lush. I mean, w- one thing about everyone should see the Duro at some point. Yes, and I think it is UNESCO. Yeah, it is. And it is, it is almost mind-boggling to to view because you you can't understand how anyone thought you know four hundred years ago to plant grapes on these extreme slopes and they're all over. And so you just, you feel like you're on Mars, you know, you you just sit there and and it's just, and it's beautiful. Yeah. And yet, you know, um, they have to do most of the harvesting by humans. Isn't that incredible? I mean, because you can't even get tractors in there. I mean, it's, I mean, some areas you can, but it is, it's just mind-boggling that anyone decided to do, and then you know, it's it's what they call schist, which is this mm-hmm. porous stone, yeah. yeah, and and these vines dig into this stone. It's like who who even thought that that was possible, yeah, you know, and yet you know, it's some of the greatest wines in the world, and so anyway, it, it's uh, and it's really quaint, you know, they got a train. That that gets you to various parts. You get you to Pinang, which is a a, a nice little um, community that doesn't have a lot, but it's got restaurants and there's a guy named Rui Paulo who's a, a chef there, w- well renowned, and he's got a really nice restaurant close by. And um, yeah, it's it's really it's really happening. So we don't have anything like the Duro here. No. Um, yeah, in San in, Francisco. I mean, in, uh, I, I'm in Healdsburg, and we got the Russian River. It's not even close. Yeah. You know, um, but so, you know, that that is a kind of um, blow-your-mind experience to go out there.
0: Yeah, I can't wait to go. And for listeners, yeah, the Douro is north of Porto, and you can take the train there, and it is a UNESCO World Heritage Site, if I remember correctly, and it, Correct. it's world-renowned for um, – it's grape making abilities on what it sounds like almost an impossible place to what you would think it would be an impossible place to grow grapes, but um, is not uh, they've proven to be fantastic at it, in fact, and I have an old joke which is you know how, sort of how did the pyramids get made? and I said it's because they don't have television, so. <laughs> <laughs> Exactly, we'd be doing a lot more of these things if we didn't have TV. Be like, I'm bored, I think I could grow some grapes on That's that right. cliff up there. What do you think, Joe? Let's do it you know? exactly. <laughs> so, okay, let's circle back to Sagrish. So, you have a place at Sagrish, and if hopefully I pronounced that correctly, yeah, um...
1: it, depending on who you talk to, it's Sagres or Sagres. I, I, you know. It, it's hard to know, really. Yeah, I, I just yeah. go with Sagres myself. Sagres,
0: okay. Yeah. So, tell us about Sagres and how you got um, a place there. I'm yeah,
1: gonna... so I've been to Sagres probably I don't know. I think that first trip, maybe with uh, with Trisha. And you know, you only go out there because there's some fort, you know, that the the, the Portuguese old fort that's you know. Uh, that I think Wellington conquered at one time or something yeah. like that. Um, and then there's, there's a lighthouse, and then there's this um, this plaque, basically, for the School of the Explorers, where oh. Henry Henrique, uh, the navigator, uh, who was the king of Portugal at one time, uh, established this school that everyone, you know, Vasco and, um, you know... But everyone uh, trained to uh, go exploring. So, but there's nothing out there but a but a plaque. But ultimately. darn it, the
0: school does not exist. I want to go to that I school. know.
1: it's really too bad, you know. Yeah. But you can tell why because it's just it's just like these sheer cliffs that you know they're right next to where the school was, uh-huh. and uh, it's so. Sogris is a place that, you know, it was cool, you know, but I, I never even considered it. And one of the reasons it ended up being the place for me was that I was trying to get in on the school and Visa business um, because I had, a, I had an inkling it was going to end before yeah. they announced it was going to end.
0: Yeah.
1: And when I started the process, sure enough, they changed I made it much more restrictive Mm -hmm. um than what it previously was so by the time i was looking at properties um you 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 couldn't really get anything in lisbon or porto Uh, most of the coastal cities were off limits unless you were in the algarve and then you could do it if you bought a property that was run by a company that had a touristic license
0: Oh, interesting.
1: Yeah, so that's still or you know, it's going to end completely mm-hmm. here soon, but that's still an option, but what I discovered in it was that uh in all the the main parts of of the Algarve where most of these kind of places are, these you kind of tourist oriented places, um you know, the restrictions that they'll give you, they'll guarantee you a rate of return, but they mm-hmm. they basically restrict your use of it. So it, it ends up being nothing more than a really expensive timeshare, you mm-hmm. know? And I'm like, you know, I want a place that if I so choose, I can live in it. I don't want to yeah. be restricted like that. So I was getting really, you know, down the dumps on it. And, um, um, so I, I, you know, and the policy is, is to try to get people to invest in the interior, because that's where, you know, they need the investment. They don't need the investments in the, uh, you know, the coastal cities anymore. So my uh, buyer's agent, um, so I, I signed up with this outfit called Global Citizens Solutions. Okay. And because um, I was looking for a lawyer for online for, you know, months. And, you know, I mean, if they were a big firm, they wouldn't talk to you. If they were some, you know, guy on their own. Didn't know what they were doing. Yeah. So I see this ad from Global Citizen Solutions, and it's a one-stop shop. It's a consulting group. They have a, a, a contacts with lawyers. They furnish everything for you. Wonderful. And they have been just amazing. I mean, the you know what I've paid in fees uh, really pales to what they've delivered for me. I mean, they just and and part of that is that you have to understand the bureaucracy of Portugal and Portuguese government, and you know everyone knows everyone who's Portuguese knows. Um, if you're an American, you know um, we have an inkling of that, but this is kind of on another level.
0: This is different than the California DMV, which to,
1: completely different. The the frustration is that there's some very irrational or um illogical reasons for particular steps that have to be done Mm -hmm. they don't make any any sense to anybody but you know that's just the system so what they do is they you know they hold your hand through it and they said look don't take this personally this is just how it works you know or doesn't work uh you just have to be patient you know Mm -hmm. patience you'll hear that a lot Um, yeah because it's just you know that's just the way it is, um, and so um, and you know what's really interesting about it with these new changes, which we can talk about a little bit later. Um, even that, even that is like everyone's like, don't don't worry about it. You know, it, it's going to take a while for it to even settle on what these changes are really going to be. Yeah. So you know, it's a, there's a lot of uncertainty, but um, but anyway, my. Global Citizen Solutions provide you a buyer's agent. perfect. And he, this guy that um, they gave me, uh, Juan Barros is was formerly a tax attorney. okay so I'm like tax attorney he's, it's a long story, but basically he can make far more money doing what he does because he's really good. I mean yeah. he's just really he he listens. And he, he, he heard, you know, what I wanted and, and he's like, look, because <clears throat> I had two deals fall through oh and I, and I had a plane ticket to go because I wanted to go see it before I was going to sign off. And by the time I was going, I didn't have any. Yeah. So he had lined up places to see, but when, when I was g- <laughs> right before I got on the plane, he says, Frank, there's an opportunity if it's if what I think it is. I'm just telling you, this is going to be exactly what you need. And I'm like, okay. So we went, saw some properties, and then he took me out to Cyprus. And uh, there's this really quite old resort there. It's a five-star resort. Mm -hmm. I think it was started in the 50s. And this place is just remarkable because um, it's a resort, and they have some places that are just hotel, hotel rooms. We got other things that are kind of timeshare you know, fractional mm-hmm. interests. Then they have this some they have some kind of big, you know, mansion style style homes um that that people own, but they're part of the resort that you can choose to rent out if you want. And then they have these row homes. Um at the very end, right at the beginning of, as you go in, but at the very Northern part of, of the resort. <clears throat> and they rarely um, come up for sale.
0: Yeah. I can imagine. So
1: three of them for sale, one by a private party. And then two were, was owned by the resort that were just rentals, but they decided they wanted to uh, unload them. And so um <laughs> And I'd gone on this mission, you know, and my wife's not with me, and she's given me a lot of trust to go and try to yeah. find a place, right? So, and I knew I needed to get something that she would like so that there would be some aspect of it that, you know, wasn't just some property that we were going to have to manage on our own. And uh, so, anyway, long story short, um, these, this, it's just, you know, they're like British row homes, two-story, two two-story, um, Open living plan at the top, two bedrooms on the bottom, two bathrooms, a, a private little uh, backyard with hedges, uh, all, all surrounding, and in a veranda on the top, right off the. And I mean, it's just, and then a, a sea view. What? That's yeah. Perfect. I know. You
0: couldn't and, have designed anything better. I,
1: exactly, and I'm like, yeah. I, I'm, I, I'm like, what? This is for real.
0: Yeah. And then on
1: top of it all. Because it's because Sagres has only got about two thousand people. Yeah, it's considered low density, so it's completely excluded from all those restrictions.
0: <laughs>
1: so the way I got it now is that I can live in if I want. But mm-hmm. what I, what they offer every year is well, they'll manage the rentals for you. Mm-hmm. They give you 65% of the revenue. You, you, they get take 35%. You pay a condo fee. But, and then the, this woman who manages it for the resort, the resort's called Martignal, uh mm-hmm. Family Resort in Cyprus. Uh, this woman, uh, Dora Reyes, uh, she has gone way beyond Call of Duty for me. And she just keeps everything coming. I I can order something, like the wine vault, yeah. you know, and <laughs> she goes, yeah, do you want to deduct it from your balance? I'm like, yeah, yeah, exactly. So, you know, and she just takes care of it. And it was there when I got there fully installed. Wow. So, you know, it's just, it's kind of the perfect situation for for us because uh, I'm not yet prepared to um, leave California for good. Mm-hmm. Uh, it may never, because I mean, Quite frankly, we have, you know, a lot of property here and we have adult children and they
0: got ties.
1: Yeah, we got ties. And, um, you know, we'll see how things go with this country. And I may have no choice, but um, I have at least what what they refer to uh, Americans in with our frame of mind as the plan B investors. (laughs)
0: Yes. Plan B is a really good thing these days. <laughs>
1: exactly. And, and so I'm definitely a plan B investor. Yeah. Um, And, uh, but the nice thing about it is that it's not, you know, the way it's working out, it's not a money pit.
0: No.
1: And, um, and because they don't go on the market very often, um, and they were very fair with the price, I think, uh, Mars agent says that it's already appreciated in just a year.
0: I bet you're sending him nice Christmas and birthday gifts. Oh my gifts. God!
1: Yeah, he—he he, well, I had lunch with him in in Lagos. Um, oh, good. Yeah, he's he's just a really and he's a genuinely good guy, you know. Yeah. Um, and uh, so I've I've made some friends in Portugal already. Um, uh, and they're really really nice people.
0: Yeah, Portugal has treated you well from Completely. start to
1: finish. And, you know, you know, not everyone may have this impression, but this is certainly something I, I have. There, there's this weird pathos there. uh uh-huh. Um and it's it's um I overheard a, a, a tour guide on this last trip. I was just sitting in the Rossio in Lisbon, uh just checking out the people. And there are you might have seen pictures that there's these uh sidewalks that are cobblestone and they yeah. patterns. Yes. Black and white.
0: Tiles. Is that the tiles? They're no. not
1: the tiles. The tiles are usually on the walls and they're, mm-hmm. they depict scenes and they're usually blue and white. But these are black and white stones that make a pattern. And most of the time the patterns are waves. Mm-hmm. And the waves, according to the tour guide, are supposed to um, hearken the tsunami that occurred in Lisbon Mm. uh, after the 1755 earthquake hit. Right. And so you get this real sense that that, um, that event is ingrained into the, the minds of the Portuguese. Yeah. And, you know, you feel like you're in a really old city and you are. Yeah. But most of it was rebuilt and, after the earthquake, I mean, there's parts of the Alfama, which is the the oldest part of town that that didn't get as destroyed. But you know, for the most part, you know, Lisbon as it exists today is 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 a creation of uh, the Marquise de Pombal, mm-hmm. who put it back together after the earthquake. So there's this there's this feel that but it's it's not just a pathos, it's like a it's, it's it's like the melancholy I get from some of the best new young songs, you know? Yeah.
0: <laughs> oh yeah. There's just moon. this
1: kind of blue but hope hopeful and, yeah. and, and enduring quality to it. Yeah. And then the Portuguese have this word called saudade, and mm-hmm. and that is v- very difficult to translate, but it. What what I've heard, anyway, is that it, it means a longing for Portugal from all mm-hmm. the people who had to leave, you know, because Portugal's mm-hmm. been a poor country for many, many years. And a lot of people leave Portugal and the uh, longing to 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 be back in Portugal yeah. is is so and so this idea or that feeling um, is is what I'm getting out of it, you know, that it it kind of, it's, it's really kind of present. You really Mm -hmm. feel it, you know? Um, And it's just a, particularly Lisbon, it's just a really bright lit place. Mm -hmm. Um, The sun is shining on the water and it's just illuminating the whole city. And so you just, uh, it's just a really a special It's a special place.
0: Oh, it's so special! It's so special. And those are that was poetic words about Lisbon. uh, Yeah, I'd read about Soldade, and I think maybe I'm experiencing it right now, like in the sense of I'm longing for Portugal. I haven't even been there yet. Uh, Yeah, yeah. yeah, No,
1: you'll you. I. That was the first thing that struck me was that I. I I think also things that I do remember growing up um, maybe. there's there's this brandy that I always used to see of mm-hmm. course booze is always on my, my mind, but yeah. uh, I think it was called Massiera or something like that. And and it, it had this old world look on the, the label. Yeah. And I always think of like you've seen those old film uh like pictures that are not really black and white, they're more like brown and, and oh yeah beige. Yes. Mm-mm. That in a as a concept or as a aesthetic is how i how i think of parts of lisbon particularly
0: spaghetti western yeah
1: kind kind of like this old world thing Mm -hmm. that they they could try to make it as as modern as they could but you're never going to shake this old world feel of of that city and so what what you know now lisbon is really overrun with tourists i mean it's Lots of young people too, and they, they in, by June. By the time June comes around, mid June, they it's the San Antonio Festival. So Saint Anthony, so Saint Anthony of Padua is actually Saint Anthony of Lisbon.
0: Oh, it's really? The
1: same. It's the same guy. Huh. He, he just got the moniker because that's where he died, but yeah. he was born in in Lisbon. And yeah. <clears throat> So they have a, a, a San Antonio fe- Festival festa every June and so there's two th- there's two things that happen other than just complete debauchery it, it is grilled sardines on every corner
0: because
1: mm. it's the sardine you know uh time of year
0: yeah
1: and mass weddings
0: mass weddings we-
1: mass weddings yeah some some i don't know what how that came to be but that so you know we were there at the tail end of uh, San Antonio Festa uh, went to Porto because we were only there for just the airport. We didn't even go into Lisbon. And then um, I can't remember. There's another saint. I think San Vicente or some some other saint that they that they celebrate up north, which is like t- two weeks after that. And then Lis- Lisbon decides, oh, yeah, we're going to celebrate that too. And then the, then the Communist Party has one right in between. Oh you know, so they have to have their party. So basically it's like it's like a full month of fish that
0: they're That's just awesome.
1: party party party. I mean yeah. I was like, wow. So when we stayed uh in Lisbon, Martinall has a um has some apartments uh mm-hmm. in the Chiado. and is kind of like the Tony part of the barrio alto, which is the upper part. Yeah. Lisbon's got like a valley below and then, uh, both sides, upper parts. And the Barrio Alto is, um, next to the Barrio Alto is, is the Chiado and they have these really nice apartments. So we, we decided to rent there because I get a discount. All right. And, um, you know, perfectly located because the places that we met, uh, Miguel for lunch was right around the corner. um, so they, Martignal also opened a brand new, um, large high rise building down in what they call the park of nations. I mean, I think it's Parque de Sois.
0: Oh, Sois. Okay.
1: Yeah. N-A-C-O-E-S with the tilde. Okay. And, um, and I still massacring it, but, um, but that place is, is brand new. And the nice thing about that, I've never been over to that part of Lisbon, but it's, you know, it's, it's by the water. It's, it's, I'm sure, you know, it was the docks mostly, yeah. but it's really, it's very much like what they did in San Francisco when they put the Warriors stadium mm. down by the giant stadium. And that whole waterway is just now all happening with, Cool restaurants and yeah. Lisbon's done the same thing uh, with this area. And um, man, I mean, it's just hopping, but it's it's all new, you know. And so, and you can move, and you can actually find parking.
0: Oh, wow! So
1: you know, one of the nice things about um, you know, if you've done Lisbon, which I've had them done many times, um, getting out to uh park of the nations uh mm-hmm. uh is not a bad respite if you've kind of especially with the kind of tour that I did when it was all over the place you know they got a pool they got their own restaurant you know I could relax it's great cuz the in the inner city thing is in lisbon you have to experience and, and mm-hmm. you, you might even dig it so much you want to do it you know more than uh you know five or six times even yeah but it is, you know, it's it's like it's like staying in San Francisco, you know. I mean, you're you're it's a it's a real city, you know. Yeah. yeah. And, um, <clears throat> and getting around is pretty difficult.
0: Yeah, it, it sounds like it can be quite difficult in such a crowded place when it, everything's partying and everyone's, you know. Oh yeah.
1: Well, in fact, when we were in an Uber. <laughs> we <laughs> went to this great Cevicheria. So that's the other thing you, you need to learn about Cevicherias in. Portugal are basically tap rooms, you know, mm. beer, beer joints, mm-hmm. but that really doesn't do justice. They're seafood beer joints. Oh yeah. Yeah. And so they got you know, all the fresh seafood crustaceans and, and fish. Although some, some just specialize, like there's one uh, called the uh, Cerveja Rio Ramiro, which was mm-hmm. featured by uh, Anthony Bourdain on one of oh, his yeah. uh, episodes. Uh, they only do shellfish. They don't do any uh, fish. Um, but, you know, we were we were trying to get back to the Chiado. And we were in an Uber. And the guy goes, I'm sorry, but the police have just shut off all the streets to your place. I'm going to have to go all the way around the city to get you to your place. And it was because they were having a concert. And, you know. How oh, dare warm- they? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> festa just takes precedent over anything.
0: Yeah, and so,
1: so we're like, yeah, whatever, you know. It's cool. I'd like to see parts of uh, Lisbon. Yeah. You're going to take us on a tour. That's that's cool with me, you know. Mm-hmm. So
0: yeah,
1: when I found out that the March and all had this place up in Park so de I said, okay, I'm staying there. I can park there. I can take an Uber into, you know, the city center, and yeah. not have to deal. With traffic and parking and yeah listen, so and I had I had to try get to the bank because my wife wasn't when I did all this stuff, I was on my own and I yeah. said, you know you're really not on this bank account, so we need to get you on it. So I made an appointment, and sure enough, I mean it took like two and a half hours to of paperwork you know yeah. to get her on the bank account. so um th- th- that's just the nature of things. You know? Yeah.
0: And, and you know, I have to remind myself that it is sometimes the nature of things in the US too. Um, I I had a, a business partner in California and I had to, we had to set up a business bank account together and I ended up flying to California to get a Bank of America account because I didn't have the right branch here. And so, I mean, in, in urban areas in the US, you can pretty much get what you want fairly quickly. And in, in rural areas like where I live now, it's not always the case. And sometimes we have to wait a really long time for health care and that sort of thing. So I try to remind myself, like, it's not just other countries. We have Oh, yeah. We, exactly.
1: yeah. And part of it, with banking in particular, is that there's so much – I mean, the red tape is primarily to prevent money laundering.
0: Yeah, um, of course. there's
1: so much of it going on. Yeah. And, they got to just double check, triple check who you are, what you're, you know, what are you doing? And it's not yeah. that common for just average, you know, couple to come in and say, hey, we have a Portuguese bank account. I can't speak your language, but, uh, you know, can I have my wife on this too? Yeah. <laughs>
0: you know, like, oh,
1: sure, sir. You know, and then yeah. they had like a bunch of $100 bills I wanted to deposit and they were closing. So at least the paperwork person was like, well, I, we work after closing hours, but closing hours is 3.30. Yeah. So I go, hey, I need to make this deposit. She goes, well, go down there now, you know, because it's going to be done in 20 minutes. And so i go down there and I go, hey, can you, you know, take these $100? So I had like, I don't know, not even 3000 I mean, was it was like $3,000 of of, uh, of $100 bills. And he goes, it's going to take a while, but yeah, I'll, we'll, I'll get my colleague to help me. Well, as it turns out, they have to take a, the copy photocopy of every hundred dollar bill
0: oh you're kidding
1: And then i have to initial it oh no yeah and so that's why that's why they were like oh man you know <laughs> if you had euros we just give you put you in the machine and it just does it for you but
0: <laughs> um so two questions and then i i'll i'll honor your time and wrap it up. But um, one is, so you and I have been taking language lessons from Miguel in Lisbon, who is fantastic. And you got to meet him in person. Again, so jealous. Um, And of course, listeners are probably asking, you know, how much Portuguese, is Frank fluent in Portuguese? Which I know the answer to this, but um, (laughs) how has he done all this if he's not fluent in Portuguese or is he?
1: Well, I'm not, I'm not even close in, in, you know, I've had mixed uh, experiences trying to, you know, do Pigeon Portuguese in, in Portugal. Um, you know, it, it, almost everywhere. I mean, not almost everywhere, but any place that's got tourists, most Portuguese speak fluent English. Yeah. Um, I went to a little town called Al Jazeera, uh, close to Sagres. I called to make a reservation. They had to get somebody on the phone that could speak English. But even then when I went, you know, almost every waiter spoke English. So, and then, you know, part of what I do too, because I, I don't know all the words, but I'll try to order something in Portuguese, but I'll say, well, I'll have the, you know, uh, Emma Joyce, Rulion uh, Pato, And they're like, do you want the clams with, you I'm like, yeah, I want the clams. <laughs> So they're like, why are why are you speaking English and Portuguese? Why you, you know choose one? You know choose they're one. not saying that, but so yeah, I mean it's it's a difficult language, you know. Yeah. I mean like the the whole R thing. I mean any like there's a guy it it is it, a new guy that I met at Martinaul and is he's an assistant to Dora and his name is what we would say Renato, mm-hmm. but it's Renato.
0: Hanato. Yeah. It's a
1: it's a soft H, you know? Yeah. And you don't and then, you know, there's different R sounds in where depending on where the R's are and how you pronounce it. Sometimes it's hard. So and how do you know these things, you know? I mean you don't until you, you do it for a long, long time.
0: Yeah.
1: And so I'm still I mean, I had to I would go so one of my favorite dishes is I'm a joyous uh, de bullion Pato. Oh, good job. And that is, yes, that is <laughs> clams in a white wine, um, olive oil, garlic, oh. and cilantro <sighs> dish. It's just, and it's, and I had it probably 10 times at different places, and each one seemed better than the other. It was just <laughs> amazing. But, you know, I mean, I couldn't, I, I literally had to listen to Deepo like 10 times to get Emma Joyce because, and I still don't think I'm saying it right. It's M A M E I J O A S or something like that. I'm, I can't Joyce, help. I wish know? I could I mean, help. Right, exactly. So, <laughs> it, you know, and, and and even if I could get all the letters into what I'm trying to pronounce, it's still not going to work, you know? Yeah. I, I have to stew my... Tongue and piti piti sauce. Do you know what piri piti yes, piti
0: is? very piri sauce, yeah. yes. Yeah, we see piri
1: piri. I've heard them say piti piti. So yeah. it's uh, it's a fantastic uh, Mozambique uh, pepper.
0: Right. And yeah.
1: So part of the problem is the fact that they speak English so well and so widespread that you're not forced to mm-hmm. speak Portuguese. And so that's always going to be a problem, and especially like. You know, in Sagres, um, particularly the, the resort that I'm at, is it caters predominantly to the um, British and I- Irish and some Germans, some Spaniards, but lots of Brits, mm. and so they're, everyone's speaking English. Yeah. You know, and so um, <laughs> it's not an immersion. No,
0: it's not. You you have to make it an immersion if you right. really want to. So I'm curious about golden visa, and let's let's end there in terms of where things at because we know the government is kind of shutting it down. We're we're getting closer. How? What have your attorneys told you about your own golden visa process? Um, yeah. Said, hmm. So
1: well, I will tell you that there's been kind of a shock. Uh, a lot of them were kind of expecting it, but the way it was rolled out by the prime minister just blurting it out as a statement. And then mm-hmm. everyone's saying, well, wait a minute, he can't just, you know, the letters. Um, but, um, everyone tells me that, you know, based on how they've written the law. So initially it was, we're ending it and the people who haven't been fully approved yet, or even those that haven't approved to, to get, because you have to re-up every so often. Mm-hmm. Um, you're going to have to live there for, you know, more than half a year. And all, all these were really hard restrictions. The 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 legislation that was actually put forward got rid of all that. So it's same one week a year. Um, you know, you, you get the residency. You have to learn the language at a rudimentary level after five years and you get citizenship. Now, that said... My application was put in in August of 2022. Mm -hmm. They're just now approving, pre-approving applications that were put in in December of 21. Whoa. So they're really far behind. Yeah. The only good news is what I was told is that once you get the pre-approval, the biometrics appointment is relatively soon and it used mm-hmm. to be a long delay between the pre-approval and the biometrics appointment mm-hmm. so the biometrics appointments you have to go back and get registered with interpol basically they take you know screen screenshots of your eyes and it's like they do for global entry here you know yeah. fingerprinting and all that stuff um but once then once you do that then at some point you get your residency card and then, um, and then you got to hold on to the investment, you got to go back every year. And you know, but from what I've been told, uh, you know, I'm in. I mean, it's the, having the application in is good enough. Now, I do have a backup plan, or we have a backup plan of some kind. Mm-hmm. My wife can get uh, Portuguese citizenship because her, her father, who's passed away, um, was Portuguese national, even though he was from Macau. Mm-hmm. So she's applied to establish her citizenship through her father. Perfect. And they tell me that it doesn't matter that she's on my application for Golden mm-hmm. Visa because it's likely, you know, she's going to get approved before, well, it's no doubt that she'll get approved before I will. And so she just won't need it at that point. Yeah. yeah. For me, if I don't get it this way, then it's um it's a, it's fairly cumbersome if I try to get it as a spouse because I think she would have to live there and then I'd have I, I'm I'm not sure about all this. Yeah. I hear different things, but I'm not really worried about that <clears throat> at this point. Um and if I don't get it, you know, I'm still I'm still fine with it as an investment. Yeah. Um, you know, and you, you know, you still get ninety days. uh Exactly to stay. So exactly, you know, and you come back another ninety days. I mean, you know, I, I'm still working, so it's not like I, yeah, um, can can just get up and leave right now. I mean, this has been a long term plan. Um, lit the fire lit by what's going on politically in this country. You know, it's interesting because. You know, that's the other thing you have to consider about Portugal is that, you know, they're relatively new mm-hmm. democracy. Yeah. I mean, it was only 74 Yeah, uh, when they had the bloodless, you know, cool. revolution. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, there was a lot of people who were smitten with Salazar. Um, mm-hmm. um, I think those are the, that's the old guard. I don't think the young people have any uh interest in that in returning to that. They got a lot of freedoms now.
0: So did you pick up some words while you were there? Did could you could you tell what people were saying a little bit?
1: Yeah, but you know, I was catching a one or two words. Oh what so here's the here's this is the funny story. Yeah. I want to belabor everything with you, but there's a guy on um on YouTube who does most of the Algarve and he's he uh-huh. does, he did one on Sagres. And yeah, and uh, my I'd seen it before and I even sent it around, but my son found it on his own and he he says that guy, he's from South Africa, right? So, oh, yeah, just,
0: I've seen that guy, yeah, yes, yes. he's
1: hilarious, right? Yes. But he he has this uh pronunciation of Sagres's Sagres, right? And and so, my his son, every time you'd see the sign, say Sagres, so. I, I said, so we were in Lagos and walking around right by the cliffs and I see these two Portuguese guys and I, they're speaking Portuguese and I can't understand hardly anything. The guy goes, sorry, I'm like, that guy's got it right, man. It si-?
0: <laughs> you just thought he was coming up with his own pronunciation. Yeah.
1: yeah. He said, oh, that guy's exaggerating. The, the He's not sorry. And I go, I heard the Portuguese guy say it. Yeah, and that's the only word I understood him saying because he said, silence. <laughs> 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 uh, it's like that saying?
0: old, um, the what's up that was <laughs> yeah. exactly. Started. Well, that's
1: what you know. What I I would love someone to do the because uh, that's what in town means, right?
0: Yeah, in town, oh, yeah. In town. <laughs> oh. killer, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well. Uh, Thank you for um, spending time with me and sharing. I can't wait to learn more. Hopefully we'll be booking our flights sometime soon. And on that note, listeners, I just wanted to say thank you so much for listening. And thank you to Frank. We had such a delightful conversation. So much laughter. I have put together some amazing show notes. So if you want to know more about what we were talking about, I put a lot of links into the show notes this time around, and please feel free to explore. If you would like to sign up to my newsletter, I have a newsletter over on Substack called From Montana to Portugal. You can find it at janelleholden.substack.com. And pretty soon, I will be releasing a series of emails on the basics of moving to Portugal. Lots of people have been asking me for this. And I have been researching this for now over a year, probably a lot longer than that, actually, and have developed quite a list of resources to help people who are in a similar situation as us. So it's 100% free, and you'll get a notice if you sign up to my Substack newsletter about it. So go on over there to janelleholden.substack.com. That's also free, or you can support me with a paid subscription if you'd like. And I will see you in your inbox soon. Thank you so much for listening and have a great day.